listen for the sound of the east and welcome the east. And we turn in consciousness. Today I'm joined by poet, author, and dreamkeeper Ione in a conversation where we explore her vibrant and creative life, her work in partnership with deep listening pioneer Pauline Oliveros, and the new book, Quantum Listening, here on the Sounds of Sand, presented by Science and Non-Duality, on the bridge between science and spirituality. If you're ready to get entangled, meet us on the other side. Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective conscious being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. And welcome back to The Sounds of Sand. And today I'm delighted to introduce to the sand community one of my mentors and teachers, Ione. Ione, along with her partner in life and work, the late, great Pauline Oliveros, and movement artist Eloise Gold, developed a practice called Deep Listening. And in this conversation, we'll define and explore the expansive concept of deep listening and dive into the new book and writing by Pauline with an introduction by Ione and musician and artist Laurie Anderson. And the new book is called Quantum Listening. And we'll have links where you can find the book and other writings and videos and music from today's episode in the show notes. So definitely check that out. And now it's my absolute honor and privilege to welcome Ione. Thank you, Ione, for being here. I'm really honored and excited to have you here on the Sounds of Sand podcast. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, Michael. <laughs> Delighted to be here. Yeah. And so the first question I wanted to ask you is one that you've asked many of us as students in, in deep listening and in your Listening in Dreams book, and that is, uh, what was your earliest memories of dreams? Yeah, I remember being very intrigued uh, by stories and imagery in dreams. Um, but I think that my 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 strongest uh, connection happened happened even a little bit later on when my kids were little uh, and dreaming. Um, however, yes, my earliest dream um, I was of a spirit. In over the plant in our living room <laughs> in, in New York, actually. Nice. Yeah, in your your memoir, which I really enjoyed reading, Pride of Family, uh, you describe some like precognitive dreams and you know premonition type dreams and dreams where past, present, and future seem to sort of collapse and come together. So has that always been a part of your experience in dream world that the past, present, and future are here all the time? 
Right, well, in a way, yes, dreams are, since dreams are timeless, we have that ability to, to uh, connect and uh, appreciate them in that way. Um, I think in, in, in reality, and I don't mean consensus reality, in reality that that's happening all the time. But we are able to um, discern as we pay more and more attention to dream states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the term consensus reality. So I, I know that from your Listening in Dreams book, but also from um, from Arnold Mendel and the, the um, 24-hour dreaming. Is that what it's called? Lucid lucid dreaming techniques? Well, his, yes. I've, uh, Arnie's been a dear friend for a number of years and mm-hmm. studied with him as well. I've done wonderful world work, uh, uh, retreats, uh, Arnie and, and Amy are, are, are still dear friends. Um, so yes, that, that expression is, is his, his uh, expression. Um, in his book, uh, Quantum Healing, I have it here, yeah. It's a very giant, giant book. Um, here it is. Anyway, he, he does coin coin that and discuss that, um, and it's so it's it's become really um, an important way of uh, differentiating between what people consider reality uh, and and larger realities that exist, and it is you know and it is uh, Arnie's original phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll, we'll get into quantum listening in a bit, but I feel like we need to kind of uh, lead the listeners down a bit of a path and then kind of explain deep listening first before we get into quantum listening. Um, so if I can ask another question, if you're comfortable sharing it. So your partner, the late, great Pauline Oliveros, did you have any specific dreams or anything upon when you around when you met or when you started to work together that that resonated for you especially in dream space that you remember or feel like sharing yes well we we had uh we had a common um dream which i would call uh a vision um which is which is uh, allied closely allied with dreaming of course as a form of dreaming um, we had a, a vision that we shared, and we shared it with each other actually the, the, when we first met. Um, and it had to do with uh, creating a large worldwide network of of uh, artists and communing with each other, making music and sounds and art. And uh, I had exactly the same concept um, all having their art supported and and um, and loved and 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 feeling good about being who they are but essentially a, a very a worldwide network and uh, so we really bonded on that and mm-hmm. as it turned out we got very involved with uh, with creating those things, which are still yeah. happening, the networks are going out, continuing to, to expand. Yeah, the dream is uh, it came alive and it's living and constantly evolving, which is so beautiful. 
Yeah, we didn't really know know each other as they, you know, as people say, they know each other. We we really had just met, <coughs> and and just to make conversation, we just <laughs> we were talking about, you know, long long range uh, visions and things Cokes with each other. And bright necklaces. And that came out. <laughs> After chatter and gossip, my hennaed hand. Shadows, listen, facing each other, facing stars, facing smooth sliding sail, our felucca moving across water. Squeal. Nice. And so in the practice of deep listening and we'll we'll get into sort of a, a a general definition of what is meant by deep listening in this in this context did you um did you already bring this idea of dream awareness to the practice of deep listening or did it kind of emerge together with your work with Pauline and Eloise Gold at, at the same time like basically did you have already a, a very deep dream practice that you kind of brought to deep listening or did it emerge as a result of your work with Pauline? No, I had, a, I had, um, yes, I've talked about this um, at, at different retreats to give people background. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was uh, practicing and creating dream circles and all kinds of things on the East Coast um, before I met Pauline and Pauline was on the West Coast and she was also uh, exploring dreams and with her students and with her um, with herself. <laughs> and uh, um, when we met, it was um, <laughs> it was just it was a natural uh, a natural conjunction of of interest uh, that we that we had when we went uh, to up to Rose Mountain. Um, that was when Pauline had had created the Deep Listening album. The album had happened in the cistern, Fort Warden cistern in, in Washington, um, with a 45-second delay. Um, she and Stu Dempster and Paniotis had gone down there and, and, and made this extraordinary uh, music without electronics, any electronics at all. Um, when it, they listened back, it was it was amazing. It was really very beautiful. We're getting ready to be an album. What to, what to, what to call this? And Pauline coined the phrase uh, "deep listening" as a kind of pun, which was something that they were all interested in. Very interested in puns, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> so they were laughing and said, "Yeah, deep listening." And so that was the beginning of uh, because they were they were many many feet down under the under the uh, the land when they were making the music. Um, it was a former uh, army cistern that mm-hmm. held many, many gallons of water. So, yeah, so this, this was something that was um, happening already. Uh, and up at Rose Mountain, uh, Pauline was, um, it was just the beginning of Rose Mountain. There were not... Um, 
There were, there were not many retreats that were happening. It's a very small retreat center uh, owned by Andy Gold, who's Eloise's uh, brother. And we were invited up, and Eloise thought it would, it would be nice, and Pauline said, yeah, I'll do a, a deep listening retreat. And as she has said, and I've just read recently, saw recently in the film her saying I didn't, that she didn't know yet what that meant. And uh, so we went up to Rose Mountain, um, and my, do, my becoming the dream keeper, and Eloise uh, doing uh, Deeply Listening Body was a natural progression from, from actually from Pauline's work um, and that she was already exploring. So, so we actually opened it out, uh, the three of us, um, and uh, that was how it began. So up on Rose Mountain in this beautiful aspen groves, Pauline was able to uh, discover during these uh, ongoing retreats what deep listening could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know you've said this before, but you know, I, I love the, um, the context of when people say, what is deep listening? And she would say, I don't know. <laughs> well, she came to a point um, of saying that more, more recently. Um, yeah. yeah, because, um, well, you know, people tend to want something that is, uh, that they can categorize, and um, and both uh, Pauline and I was kind of against, <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. resisting categorization. So deep listening, uh, she would say that, and it would be very funny. It, it would also be disturbing to people to hear that. So, um, but yeah. th that the reason for saying that is that d deep listening is a process, um, and it is uh, ongoing. And once one is beginning to, a process and a practice, um, and once one has begun to be a deep listener, that that continues. Uh, she was still discovering what it what it is in that sense. Mm. Yeah, but, and that feels like the perfect way to get into the idea of quantum listening, which has some you know a lot of quantum mechanics. And things deal with field of potentiality and, you know, uncertainty principle and a lot of the phrases that people may be familiar with in terms of well, it quantum. Well, it yeah. can have all that. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, have yeah. to. <laughs> no, no, sure. Um, so the new book, Quantum Listening, I'd like to, to get into that. How did that come about, come about the, the formation of that book? Well, well um, Michael, let me tell you first about let me give you a definition of deep listening, another definition. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah? yeah? <laughs> I thought I don't know was the definition. I thought that's what we were going to go with. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I, and, and it's something to remember, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but let me just read you this because it's right here in front of me. Deep, mm -hmm. deep listening is listening in every possible way to everything possible to hear, no matter what you are doing. Such intense listening includes the sounds of daily life, of nature, or one's own thoughts as well as musical sounds. Deep listening represents a heightened state of awareness and connects to all that there is. 
As a composer, I make my music through deep listening, says Pauline Oliveris. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a nice definition. So one thing that uh, is important to know along those lines is that uh, Pauline made the distinction between hearing and listening. So hearing is involuntary and listening is a voluntary pr process, action. It's an action, yeah. So um, we're really focusing on listening um, as deep listeners. So we listen for the sound of the east and welcome the east. And we turn in consciousness to the south and feel the gateway, the harmonious opening of the south, listening for its sound. We welcome south and move in consciousness to the west. What's there? What sounds? Maybe before we get into quantum listening, we can stay a little bit more with deep listening. Because one of the things when I describe deep listening to people, a lot of people assume it's just kind of a musical practice or a, something sonic. It's, it's, it's a very sonic. But when they find out that it has to do with energetic body work and, and qigong, and especially dream practice, people are really excited by the expansiveness of deep listening. And as the dream keeper, um, maybe what are some what are some misconceptions perhaps about dreams and how deep listening can be woven into the practice of, of awareness in dreams? There are a lot of misconceptions <laughs> about dreams out there. Yeah. Um, so that's why I devote, well, I, I, I discovered, this is before working with Pauline actually, that people were upset about their dreams. You know, you ask people about their dreams, oh, I don't remember, oh, oh this or oh that or... And there's always something uh, a little, a little wrong or upset. So uh, I began to devote my life to making dreaming more fun mm -hmm. <laughs> and more accessible to people in that way. Uh, so I explored that on my own quite a bit of many, many workshops throughout the years. Um, and. As I was connecting with Pauline on the dreaming, and we had this opportunity to the, to be with so many wonderful people who were studying with us, um, I could begin. Um, we were beginning what would be and what is a twenty a practice of twenty four hour listening, which when you're doing it together um, at a retreat um, center, or 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 even if you're doing it at a retreat online with people, um, it makes um, quite an amazing difference in one's 
way of connecting to all there is. So we say all there is, there's an expansion of, uh, of uh, our focus, on uh, our narrow focus. So there's an expansion that is taking place. Um, and that expansion includes um, the awareness of other dimensions. And so we consider dreaming a dimension, a, di a different dimension. And uh, we are exploring and interested in in that, and what, how does it relate to what we call consensus reality? Mm -hmm. um, and you begin to discover, make some very interesting <laughs> discoveries, <laughs> and yeah, have, have a good time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it reminds me too of. Um, well, this is you know woven into into what you teach as well the idea of dream yoga, of this uh, the kind of boundary between dream states and waking states and seeing how you know as you say consensus reality has this imagination imagination layer that is active very active in the dream state you know basically everything's happening in our imagination, but that in waking life we're also seeing this sort of layer of of our conscious projection in what we experience. Well, yes, well, we're projecting more of, the, of our dreams that states than we know, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. than we recognize to see. That's what you begin to realize, that, that all of this is coming from, from our own projections of, uh, in, in dream time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we can see them in dream time better. You know, if we start having awareness of the dreams, uh, you can begin to catch these things at work, <laughs> whatever this is that we're involved in in this uh, experiment, great experiment of humanity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, another uh, phrase that you use, and I think Mendel used too, the quantum flirt, starting to notice mm -hmm. these synchronicities that appear, these these things in, in waking life that call to us and catch our attention. And we're like, well, why, why do I notice that, you know, this flower or yeah, this number? Why do I keep seeing this number today? You know, what is this, what is this saying, saying to me? Right, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we're definitely um, uh, being, being um, connected with, so it's not that we, are, we connect to I mean, the connection then happens, but uh, but it's uh, it's a two-way street. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> At least. <laughs> it's a multi-dimensional way. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, because you mentioned uh, multi-dimensional multi listening is a big part of the of the practice of, and I love the phrase of of Pauline's of what am I excluding from my listening? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, to uh, enfold that into the idea of multidimensionality, it's like, where and when am I excluding from my listening? You know, mm -hmm. like okay. listening in deep time and what what parts of the space-time continuum are, uh, am I not being being aware of that's in my listening field? Yes, and you know that that, 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 the depth of that practice happened when 
when Pauline put her tape, her mother had given her a tape recorder. Uh, she mm. was actually in San Francisco at the time, but um, she held the uh, the mic outside the window and realized that uh, it was picking up so much more than she had been listening to or been that she had heard, and um, and that was when she decided to devote herself to listening more carefully. Mm -hmm. do, do you still have that tape recorder? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't, no, we've got some things. We've got some, some old reels, but I don't have that tape recorder. Yeah. It might be somewhere, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, the this idea of the I feel like we're we're circling this idea of quantum listening, which I like. We're we're kind of approaching it from different angles as we get closer to it. But this idea of um, sort of questioning and exploring different modalities of of space time, uh, you know, reminds me of the I, I emailed you about this earlier. The Black Quantum Futurist movement that that's from Philadelphia. Um, have you ever, have you ever talked to them to Rashida Phillips and More Mother? I may have met. Rashida at the Black Arts Artists um, Convention um, uh, retreat that we had in New York. Uh, that, uh, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's wonderful. It is marvelous. It is exact. The truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's truth speaking. Yeah. And truth saying. And yeah. uh, really, really fantastic. I'm very, very much aligned with that that uh, philosophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it has a, a, an interesting lineage connection to Philadelphia, to through Sun Ra, who was uh, kind of about this Afrofuturism, sort of bringing you know um, mythologies and scientific practices and theories from ancient Egypt into like a modern science fiction context through music. Yes, yes. Um, that's an, an extremely that he he was really had his finger on the pulses of <laughs> of all of that, and there's a con certainly connection between them and the ancient Egypt element uh, and what was known then um, being opened up to now is is very very important, and in terms of of uh, Afrofuturism. We also have that that connection, that conjunction, the future and the past linking themselves as we continue on. And yes, being much closer to uh, to the reality of humanism, shall we say, um, than other kinds of uh, colonial mind. Uh, practices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm getting ready to do um, some talks uh, for 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 RPI on this very subject soon. So yeah. we'll talk about what um, the colonial how deep listening um, expands the colonial mind and actually 
um, <laughs> I, I could say that it reverses it um, as it is practiced. Wonderful. Well, do you know, will they be public talks? or that's a, Yeah, a, public. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll share links to that if we have it for, for when we publish this. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's so important because, you know, ancient Egypt, but so many indigenous practices have listening as, the, as one of the core ways to connect to each other and to connect to the land. And it's something that we as a society have have really lost. And, you know, my, my own path with deep listening, it's one thing I just notice is how much noise pollution and how intense cityscapes are and how little attention is paid to the quality of our soundscapes uh, as, a, as a society in, in capitalist, in that sort of capitalist uh, patriarchal uh, modality. Yes, yeah, sound sound is is used for as as power power over. Mm. So I I talk about the concept of create. This is a Starhawk um, con- concept that I continue to promote, which is uh, the concept of of power over. So that's power over that you're talking about, and what yeah. we're talking about is power from within. So what we want to promote and put out there uh, is is that is exactly that. And that's what happens as we as we explore deep listening and explore quantum listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this inner want, listening, right? Well, it, yeah, it's it's inner and 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 outer, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it quantum. <laughs> It was 1858, was it? You sent your palm print to the famous palmist Cairo. To forget what it was he told you. Whispering more memories from a life beyond this place. Everyone was talking about the great comet. Oh, our comet, yes. The great southern comet. All our friends. So many on the rooftops in Cairo to see it, but we had it all to ourselves. It will return now. We will survive this. Nubian boatman, Take off in the great storm that takes you back. Leave this island as well. It is time for a new life. An excerpt from The Nubian Word for Flowers, an opera by Ione and Pauline Oliveros. And now back to our conversation. 
Yeah, this new book, Quantum Listening, is super exciting. When I uh, I heard about it at a festival in Italy over the summer, because I was talking about quantum listening to some people, and they're like, do you know there's a book coming out? And I was like, what? And I looked it up, and it's uh, it looks really beautiful. Um, was this initi- was this an initiative um, by you, or because I know Laurie Anderson collaborated too on the, uh, it's the Sarah, forward? Uh, it's a uh, Ignota Press. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Sarah Shin who who um, who I was uh, working with on a few other things with her, and um, and um, she asked us if if that was possible to do, and um, we here at the Pauline Oliveris Trust and Ministry of Mahat gave permission for that to, to happen. Hmm. Nice. And they, they made that beautiful little book, um, which um, uh, I didn't know that Laurie was being asked, but um, I found out you know, before, before it was uh, completed. We'll be doing some other things together, thing, I think. so. Yeah, would you like to read uh, an excerpt from it? Or? Okay, I'll read a little bit of this and maybe a little bit of, a, of a different, another section as well which takes you more into this, but this gives, there's a few sections called As I Listen, I Remember. And um, because you're speaking of futurism, um, Afrofuturism, I, I coin, um, I put in the phrase uh, as a definition, futurism, relating to a vision of the future, especially when involving the development of technology. Okay, well, let me read this since I have it open. As I listen, I remember. Winter 1999. The century was ending, and a new one beginning. Pauline, increasingly known as a futurist, was invited to give the plenary speech at the International Congress on Culture and Humanity in the new millennium the future of human values at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. I had witnessed Pauline composing it on her laptop in the chair across from me in the sitting room. And now I listened in the audience as she gave the greeting in Mandarin she had learned for the occasion and then presented her paper, Quantum Listening from Practice to Theory to Practice Practice. As I write and listen, hidden sounds emerge. Tourists were laughing and chattering in many languages. We were happy to be tourists, too, on our first trip to Hong Kong, where Pauline's speech was well-received by the attentive audience. We took a ferry to get to Nong Ping in the western part of Lantau Island to see the Big Buddha. The statue... 112 feet tall and constructed of 202 bronze pieces. Made for an imposing sculpture, it rising high into the sky. From a distance, gazing at the steps leading to the top, we wondered if we could make it all the way up to the 268 steps to reach the Buddha. But once in motion, like much else in our lives, there was never a question of turning back. As I write and listen now to these remembered sounds of our fellow tourists, mixed with the sounds of our own footsteps and our own breathing, previously unheard sounds emerge in my consciousness. Was there a sonic camaraderie that boosted our energy for the climb, 
or perhaps as we sensed near the top, this energy emanated from the big Buddha's extended palm directly over us. Until now, I had not consciously recalled these airy, joyful climbing sounds, but somehow they are still here with me. Okay, that's one little pe- one little snippet. That, that's the article I know from her book, Sounding the Margins, um, the quantum listening from practice to theory to practice practice. Right. So it's 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 great to hear the uh, the kind of the context of the delivering of that talk and uh, your travel right. together. Yeah. <laughs> right, so that that's the book. <laughs> so I'll read you another little piece. Um, mm-hmm. You might have heard me read um, one of them. Okay, I'll read you this one. Um, As I write, I listen to the sounds from Ukraine. A quantum listener encompasses the entire field of sound as well as the focal point. The sounds of war emanating from the television in the sitting room and from the radio in the kitchen are the antithesis of Pauline's intention for the world. At the same time, the percussive sounds of jackhammers drift across the distance toward my ears. They are repairing the old bridge that crosses Rondout Creek near my home. I do not mind the mechanical noise and prefer it to sounds that might manifest should the old bridge be torn down. I listen to the jackhammers and the sounds of war simultaneously, opening up the density of the focal listening and the expansiveness of the global listening. It is through this practice of listening in a heightened state of awareness that I am able to affect the listening field and bear witness to war. It is through listening that transformation is possible. As I listen, the sounds of war are not eradicated, but some despair in me and in the world at large, perhaps, is lifting. More energy is made available for harmonious action, whether emanating from body or mind. I am reminded that we humans have restorative skills as well as ignorant and destructive ones. I am reminded not to forget this as I interact in the world. I remember that Pauline's listening practices enhance openness. Imagining deep listening spreading throughout the world brings comfort. And here's a quote from Pauline. Compassion spiritual development and understanding comes from listening impartially to the whole space-time of sound impartially not just what one is presently concerned about Mm. beautiful when did you write that bit about uh, listening to the war in Ukraine was that this year or Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was this year. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, just writing about uh, Pauline's intentions 
so that kind of indicates that um, the what the underlying intentions or overriding intentions. <laughs> mm. um, <clears throat> And I'll, I'll just read you a little bit more about the quantum, if you like, yeah? Yes. I do write about uh, that vision that Pauline and I had when we first met each other. Nice. And this relates to that. Um, uh, during April 2020, in the first months of the um, coronavirus pandemic, I presented the Worldwide Tuning Meditation each week on Zoom in collaboration with conductor, musician, and visual artist Raquel Acevedo, and also uh, MacArthur Feller, Claire Ch Chase, and the International Contemporary Ensemble. These events reached more than 4,600 participants from all seven continents and over 30 countries. How about that? As the performances were underway, I realized that we were manifesting Pauline's futuristic vision. After many performances with hundreds, some say thousands of people present, Pauline had dreamed of a truly worldwide version. I could feel her smiling with delight when we embraced this technology in order to impart a sense of meaning and connection, even a sense of love, over distance. Many had had qualms and doubts about the use of the internet, but were surprised and even converted by the amount of feeling that could actually be transmitted via this medium. The Worldwide Tuning Meditation Series was a swift response to the global crisis and an affirmation of Pauline's vision of a harmonious world community. Now, Pauline has given inspiration and instructions through the depth of her listening. Her music is still resonating in quantum universes. We receive guidance from her books and essays, her keynote addresses and talks. Her graphic scores are our guiding maps. Pauline's quantum listening is a clearly worded manifesto advocating for the practice of deep listening. The practice of practice. <laughs> Accessing both the focal and the global at once makes us futurists too, both creators and recipients of the newness, the peace, and the health we long for. A champion of the underserved and underrepresented, Pauline dares us to embrace change, the unfamiliar, and even the unknown. She wants us to be bold enough to imagine a benevolent society that can embrace technology to create a sublime music. Yes, she writes, deep listening is a foundation for a radically transformed social matrix in which compassion and love are the core motivating principles guiding creative decisions making and our actions in the world. Thank you. <laughs> it's so it's so perfect that you uh, took us on this path and ending it in compassion because 
That is such a huge part of of deep listening. And you know, when we think about quantum listening, you know, uh, maybe there's a tendency to get stuck in the philosophical and the imaginal and the you know techie world, but to to see that uh, this idea of quantum listening drops us so radically into a space of compassion and connection and oneness uh, is is so lovely and. Um, was that part of this shared vision that you mentioned at, yes. at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I realized that uh, when we were doing that uh, technological feat, which was encompassing all of those voices um, throughout the world, um, even though we'd done the tuning meditation and, and the world, it's called the worldwide tuning meditation. And, and she and I just uh, been in London uh, where the last time she did for 500 people, but it's been done for thousands of people before. Um, but this time it went farther, and it went farther because of the use of the technology, which we are very, very used to. Um, and I realized that, hey, Pauline, this, is, this was it. We thought we were going to do another. Uh, bigger, bigger version, and, and that was the bigger version. But also, it was, it was, a teaching, big teaching moment for many people who still were resistant to the idea that it's possible to communicate uh, with others uh, worldwide through uh, interdimensionally through uh, technology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. I was at one, at least one of them, or perhaps the heart chant, but I think it was the tuning meditation I went to as well in April, mm -hmm. I kind of remember that. Well, I think that, you know, the, pre the, the exploration of, uh, of, what, of what quantum listening is, is, is um, the experiential element. I mean, mm -hmm. one can give it definitions, but one can, it's about experiencing it, <laughs> you know. Um, and so that can come through a meditation in which one's listening. Um, focally and, and, and expanding to, to listen globally uh, and noticing what that can be. And I, as I think that gradually as one practices then one is able to encompass both. Mm -hmm. Through encompassing both, then we are um, experiencing quantum listening. Mm -hmm. It's simultaneous. So, uh, you know, in, in teaching, or people are, or in self-exploration, people learn through uh, through experiencing it. Um, and doing doing simple listening meditations, um, and then one can practice through in daily life. Yeah, yeah. That's what's lovely is it in deep listening is that it really gets rid of all barriers. You know, there's no you don't need any training, you don't need any knowledge. It's just very simple, beautiful recipes for. You know the sonic meditations that Pauline has written, and the dream rituals that you have written. They're they're very simple, you know. And there's you know there there's um, they're for 
people who are able-bodied, people that are deaf, people that are, you know, in all walks of life are able to experience, you know, these profound states of deep listening. And that's what's so beautiful about the practice, in my view. And here's a clip from Pauline Oliveros. And um, the the path um, that I hope to be on is one where the energy that comes out of the work that I do is is beneficial, and that I mean beneficial to others as well as myself. I want my work to be mutually beneficial. I I don't. I'm not interested in making an object of of art and entertainment, mm -hmm. but I'm interested in making something that uh, helps me to grow and expand and change as an individual and in relation to others. Yes, the, 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 there's a, a concept of community is very important to Pauline and in her um, uh, and collaboration and in in all of her works and it's very important to me and to us shall I say uh, you know in, in deep listening practice uh, in terms of dream community so um, so the, the concept of of exploring dreams and having awareness of dreams is really most most um, deeply about creating dream community throughout throughout the world so as we do that then then it also has the effect that we are speaking of, of mm -hmm. the compassion and the uh, shift from colonial mind to to uh, hmm, what can we call it to compa to compassion mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah the community mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, lovely. Nice. And uh, before we started recording, we mentioned the new film that's coming out about the life of Pauline. It's called Deep Listening, the story of Pauline Oliveras. And it's, uh, the filmmaker is Daniel Weintraub. And, and um, I'm the executive producer on our organization, um, the Ministry of Mahat. We, we've um, helped to bring it to this point. Mm -hmm. So it's going. It's, it'll be showing different places. It'll be showing in in Europe. So so you'll get to maybe see it in Europe or or here in New York. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, maybe it'll be on like. Netflix or something soon too. <laughs> well, yeah, it would be great to to have it on TV. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think it has the. I, I saw bits of it when you when the fundraiser was held last year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you did. So that. I saw a little bit of it, and it was really yeah, really beautiful, really well done. And I think there's such a a a thirst and an interest in in Pauline and. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed with her legacy, and you know, you mentioned that she she created these these scores and writings that are still kind of have their, you know, a life of their own. They're still evolving. They're still being discovered by new people. Still, uh, they're still changing. And and I think somehow Pauline having left this 
realm and gone to the next realm has just expanded the idea of what deep listening is and listening through ancestors and you know I've heard so many stories from you and others of when Pauline visits in dreams and gives us messages in that dream world that that she's still so much a part of deep listening. Yeah, she shows up. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it it, it is um it's definitely showing um the breadth of of her life and her work and the feeling of who she is and it's a great film for people who don't really know and a lot of people think they know about Pauline or her mu her music only know a part because she had such a, a vast uh, uh, career and mm -hmm. moved through so many uh, important spaces musically and um, that you know, you can know one version of her her music and sound, and and not know another. You know, think oh, well, she's just for example, they think oh, she's uh, she does this uh, slow meditative music. Well, now she does, but she also does this other wild, you know, electronic music. And oh, she's an electronic musician. No, yeah, but she also um, created a whole way of all of humanity to understand. Uh, and enjoy music uh, and musicality through through sonic meditations. Um, so you know she's got a, a wide range, and all this mm -hmm. comes across in the film. I think he did a really he's done a beautiful job in in showing that. And plus, yeah. plus uh, you might think she's a very serious person that she was quite um, quite a cut up. <laughs> very yeah, <laughs> lots of fun. Yeah, definitely. The few times I met her in person, I got to spend some time with her. Like her laugh is still, I can still hear her laugh so clearly. That's she just great. had this beautiful laugh. Uh, yeah, and you know, I think in you, you two being partners in life and creative music, like you know, your your <laughs> amazing life and all the things that you've done, and me reading your memoir has opened me up to all this this whole you know previous life that you had that oh, I, I other really things know. right it's so great that you that you've read it that's wonderful yeah i don't know why i didn't read it earlier i don't mm -hmm. know but it just uh yeah it was so it was so interesting you know I, and i can it, it's amazing because i can i can see and read so much about this quantum listening about ancestors about how you know you start to talk about the the um the diaries of different people and, you know, your grandmother and, and mother and these, all these generations, all kind of future past coming in and out. It's like, it's quantum listening, you know, you're talking mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to, to understand it. I'm actually doing a, um, a, a talk soon, uh, on, on that, on, on the, uh, feminist and black feminist and abolitionists mm -hmm. of my, who happen to be my family family members, you know? But they did some They've done some amazing things, uh, yeah. and creating this uh, revolution of of uh, community uh, that we are still involved in. So their revo their revolution of of reconstruction times, for example, um, uh, is still. Uh, to be accomplished.
<laughs> lots yeah. of work to keep doing. <laughs> lots of work. Lots of, no. listen- lots of listening. <laughs> lots of listening, yeah. And lots of quantum listening and seeing, you know, not as a straight line of, of progress, but these cyclical arcs that go from the past into the, to the future and just, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's, that's right. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so you mentioned Sun Ra and uh, mm-hmm. um, Philadelphia. So, you know, I have a, a big family connection in Philadelphia as well. Um, I mean, not I wasn't raised there, but my ancestors have been there and done amazing wonderful uh ele- things there um yeah the, the frank right from the book is was from philadelphia no no frank well oh. Fra- frank um william william whipper the the um right. william s whipper the abolitionist was living there um and frank went to school there to 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 the uh um to the Quaker Youth uh, School in Philadelphia. So it was an important place for us. Mm-hmm. And the Egyptian connection also is something that, that keeps a through line, and it keeps a through line, and still has uh, some rewards and some messages for, for us as we explore that whole, that whole element of teachings and mm-hmm. discoveries yeah and do you do you have um ancestry from egypt like do you have a family connection there well what's interesting is um since you're reading my my book you might see that i wanted to help uh frank francis ann rollin to make her mark in literature she writes at one point i i I want to make my mark in the literature. Well, she was writing a biography, which um, she did complete and which was published and well received. But she wanted to write more. She became involved, had to be involved with the political situation in in post Reconstruction times. What the wonderful thing is that she has now uh, been republished. There are two new books, um, and you, you should probably have one at some point, of her book, the book that she was writing at that time. And the Biographers um, Association, International Bio- Biographers International, has created a stipend in her honor um, for a biography person, person writing a biographer. And uh, so that's just been renewed for the second year, which is really terrific and so so i've i've accomplished that goal of helping nice. her to do that if i feel <laughs> i feel you know there's more to come yeah cool what's the what's the full name again so i can look it up Francis. of the of her book yeah oh she's francis ann rollin mm-hmm. rollin r-o-l-l-i-n right yeah mm-hmm. francis ann rollin okay i'll look that up and her book is uh, called called uh, Life in Public Services of Martin R. Delaney. And Delaney was a uh, a black statesman, mm-hmm. an elder statesman. She she had been writing in Boston, 
uh, she'd been uh, commissioned to write his book in Boston. Mm -hmm. So that's where she was, that's where we begin the diary. Boston, yeah. 1868. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, so let me just give you the Egypt oh, thread yeah, on yeah. that. Because, so I was rereading her book again because I hadn't read it in a long time. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. when I was writing that book, uh, I was trying to find out who she was, and then I so reading the book she was actually writing. Um, there's a whole Egyptian section in there, mm. so uh, it's all about. It's quite amazing about the, the political situation, but she enters into the the world situation, uh, bringing Egyptian concepts into that. Uh, mm -hmm. philosophically so that's really really fun to see how connected she and I are <laughs> mm -hmm. and Sun Ra right. are <laughs> yeah yeah I think we're all connected through Egypt somehow we can <laughs> yeah well I've been have made nine journeys to Egypt mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and taken I've, as a journalist uh, I was first as a journalist and then taking yeah. stu students there to connect to and learn about this ancient systems and ancient sacred places. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Any deep listening retreats in Egypt? Is it, did that ever happen? Yes. Pa well, yes. We were, Pauline was with me on two occasions, and on uh, she did uh, deep listening with with everyone. Uh, yeah. While we were there, yeah. And she has one of her pieces in the collective pieces was created in Egypt. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I want to be mindful of your time. You've already given me a full hour, so I really appreciate it. And thank you so much to Ione and to Pauline and everyone in the deep listening community for this wonderful conversation. And thank you for listening to The Sounds of Sand. And we invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of SAND content, available exclusively to SAND members. We would love it if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, and share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings.